Welcome to Homeschool Companion, your source for information, motivation, and inspiration. If you're part of the homeschool community or simply interested in learning more about home-based education, stay tuned. Together we'll examine the latest resources, learning styles, and teaching techniques. We'll speak with experts in the field to help you uncover every homeschool advantage. We'll also present suggestions on how to keep Christ in the curriculum as we explore fresh ways to teach and learn. Here's your homeschool companion host, author, educator, and children's ministry specialist, Dr. Rose Gamblin. Welcome, welcome. I'm Dr. Rose Gamblin, and my producer, Michael Gamblin, will be my co-host today. We are talking about the subject of exercise and learning, and I've asked my Gettysburg puppeteers to help us with the introduction by doing their puppet show on the topic of exercise. Welcome, everyone. We're going to talk about our second letter in New Start, the letter E. E is for exercise. E, E, E. That's me. Because I exercise, you can call me Mr. Spry. Did he say spy? Spy? We have a spy in our midst. I did not say spy. I said spry. Because I exercise, I'm spry. See, I can do this. And I can do that. So as a matter of fact, how old are you? (gasps) How rude. It's not polite to ask people how old they are. How old are you? I'm 11 and 3 quarters years old. Hmm. Good then. You have your whole life ahead of you. Make it a point to move often. Did you know that only one in three children are physically active every day? Did you know that less than 5% of adults participate in 30 minutes of physical activity every day? Well, did you know that only 1 in 3 adults are active every week? Oh no, please, please, just a little more activity will improve my circulation and get all the good nutrients where they're supposed to go. One of the key health benefits of exercise is that it helps normalize your glucose, insulin, and leptin levels. Exercise is perhaps the most important factor for preventing chronic disease, so please move! Exercise also encourages your brain to work at optimum capacity by causing your nerve cells to multiply, strengthening interconnections by protecting them from damage. He seems a little uppity to me. Basically... A little exercise each day goes further than a lot once or twice a week. Cells, cells, remain of organelles. Just a little action helps us function well. That does it. Let's all, yes, I mean all, as in you out there, stand up. We're all going to get some action going on here. Let's sing Father Abraham. Let me get situated here with my accordion. All right. Everyone, here we go.
job, everyone. You may be seated. Now, don't you feel better? Just think of all those cells cruising through your body. They are thanking you right this very minute. Thank you. Cells, cells are made of organelles. Just a little action helps us function well. Cells, cells are made of organelles. Just a little action helps us function well. Cells, cells are made of organelles. Just a little action helps us function well. <laughs> if you can imagine a cell puppet made of white stretchy material pulled over a wireframe and painted with acrylic paints to look like a cell and then silicone lips embedded, these are lips that you can buy for exercising your face, well, that's what these puppet cells look like. And it seems appropriate because everything we do does impact our bodies at the cellular level. Let's talk about the impact that exercise has on learning. And this is such a fascinating subject for me because through my experience, I've seen kids doing all kinds of crazy actions. And maybe it's because of the good impact that action is having on the vestibular system. This vestibular system is often overlooked and forgotten about, but it is one of the key players in our overall well-being and learning. The vestibular system is considered the entryway to the brain and is said to have the most important influence for everyday functioning. It is the unifying system that directly or indirectly influences everything we learn or don't learn. Where is the vestibular systems located. Yes, everyone should say vestibular 10 times today <laughs> to add that to your dictionary because it is so important and we often don't talk about it. The vestibular system is located be behind the mastoid bone. That's the lump behind the earlobe and it's part of the inner ear. It makes up the part of the vestibular ocular system and takes the form of three semicircular canals. And it's filled with fluid and tiny hair cells. Each time we move our heads, the fluid moves and bends the hair cells, which in turn sends sensory nerve impulses to the brain, particularly the cerebellum, which monitors and makes adjustments in the muscle activities, including the eye movements. And it allows for our muscles to adjust instantly so we don't just fall over. Even sitting down, you're having to balance. The reason we tend to get more dizzy as we age is because as we grow older, the reproductive hormones causes the liquid to thicken and the hair cells to be bent longer, thus making it taking more time to return to a comfortable equilibrium. What role does this system play? Well, the vestibular system's role is to orient our body in space, maintain equilibrium and postural muscle tone, to preserve a constant plane of vision, and direct the gaze of the eye. Even the slightest alteration of fluid, and of course this is kind of tying in with another show we're going to do on water, within the semicircular canals leads to changes in the muscles of the neck, trunk, and the eye. 
every muscle in the body is directly or indirectly connected to the vestibular system. Can you believe that? Signals from the vestibular system travels to the vestibular nerve, to the cerebellum, where it brings together the messages from our eyes, ears, and sense of balance. Motion sickness results if information from the vestibular system is not well coordinated with other senses. So I definitely have a weakness there because I struggle with motion sickness. What role does a vestibular system play in learning, though? Yes, and this is what we really wanted to talk about. I think that as I reflect on my students and my grandchildren, my children were once my students, my grandchildren are now my students, I... I've learned a lot about how the vestibular system plays. I have children within my family that struggle with autism, and I see the awkward walk. I have a a nephew who's faithfully practiced walking because he wanted to walk like other people walked. And I have a niece who's now in her 20s that still has to go out and swing periodically throughout the day to get that balance back in her life. So this system in learning is huge, and we have often neglected it. For one thing, the vestibular system shares the same cranial nerves as the ear and the eye. And of course, when you're teaching, everything goes through that. The ear and the eye can affect the function of the vestibular system Vice versa, such as balance. And in addition, the fluid that is inside the cochlea, that's that snail-like structure which is responsible for our hearing of sound, is continuous with the vestibular semicircular canals. That means that the movement and vibration of the bones in the middle ear not only stimulate the hearing mechanisms, but they pass through this vestibular system as well. This stimulation of the semicircular canals in each direction, you know, going back and forth, causes eye muscles and specific movements of the eye. In addition, the sense of touch is also closely linked to the vestibular system through movement across the hair cells, which are located in the skin. If the motion is a child's first language, then sensation has to be his second language. Only when both motion and sensation are integrated, that means put together, can you build a foundation for the higher language skills of speech, language, and writing development. Our children who are outside rolling on the ground and tumbling around are engaging in their first lessons towards becoming the Einsteins of the future. So are you saying that that active play helps with the learning? I'm saying that it's essential. It's absolutely essential. And teachers, even on the high school level, when we take our professional development, we're looking at research. Neuroscience has opened up our eyes. We're looking at research that tells us that even in the high school level, we need to embed movement in every single lesson that we do. So the old habits of sitting quietly in a chair and listening to a professor lecture really does more harm than good to that child's learning or that student's learning. So we have to uh, really think about 
you know, are our children sitting still for long periods of time, such are they sitting in front of a screen for a long period of time? Watching and being inactive can cause vestibular degeneration. It can actually cause damage. In contrast, if they're moving, wiggling, turning their head, it stimulates the vestibular system and it can actually repair the damaged tissues. That has been proven in research. You can go to the Brain Movement Connection to read more about that. Additional studies have shown that children who are given regular vestibular stimulation in the first months of life show accelerated in development in their motor skills. So now that we can actually see how the brain's working through MRIs, we can see that activity in the cerebellum is very active as compared to children who are struggling in school or who have poor balance or have a history of ear infections or have been diagnosed with ADD and ADHD. It used to be that we didn't have any way of knowing. We just kind of had the teachers and the parents fill out surveys before we did a diagnosis of ADD or ADHD. But we can actually see now that there is smaller amount of activity happening in the cerebellum. For example, if a student has poor balance and difficulty reading, then most likely they have an immature cerebellum. And activities can be done with the vestibular system to improve that. Even depression or neurosis or psychosis is a fault of an immature vestibular functioning process. So there are a lot of things that are happening in the brain that more exercise could really help. Wow, this is amazing information. So you as a teacher, whether it be in the classroom or teaching your children at home, how would you embed activity into learning? Children need to first learn to move against gravity before they can control and learn to be still. Staying still requires the maximum amount of balance. Think about it. Staying still requires the maximum amount of balance. Therefore, when children are moving and unable to sit still, it means that they cannot and they need to move more. And child that could not sit still, getting punished because they could not sit still and being punished by making them sit still for a certain amount of time. Now, we don't want to lay any guilt on anybody, but we can change our ways now and we can say, okay, this child who is jumping out of their skin and is driving me crazy needs more activity, not less. So instead of putting them with their head head in the corner or making them put their head down, take them outside and have them do laps, jump rope, climb trees, roll around on the ground. I know as time goes on, we're going to find other systems that haven't been uh, discovered, like the system of our, or it hasn't been fully defined, and that's our, our, our electrical system. You know, we know about our nervous system, but there's something about having children roll around on the ground that even helps them. And so, you know, don't, don't punish them for that. We're going to go through a few activities that are excellent, that are specifically for stimulating the vestibular system. But 
and those and those activities will be like you know eye tracking and things like that. They'll help with letter reversals, which is something that all teachers you know usually have one or two students that constantly reverse their letters. So we'll go through those. But before we go through those, I just want to say it's all right to have students hand get up and hand in their papers. You can have them have a path that they follow throughout the classroom or throughout the house. Before you hand in your paper today, you have to go up to your bedroom. You have to do this in your bedroom, and you have to go over to the bathroom and do this in there. You know, even if it's just even if it's just touching the door, have a certain route that they have to do. Go from here to here to here, and then turn in your paper. Of course, at first they'll think. This is the craziest thing. There's no purpose in it. But the purpose is it reestablishes that vestibular connection for the next mental task that they have to do. I have a question for you, Michael. As a child going to school, what were some of the natural vestibular activities that your teacher did maybe and didn't even know about it back then? I can't think of anything right offhand. That's because the the normal way of school back then was you came in, you sat down, yeah. you did what the teacher told you to do, and you probably had a recess. Yes, we had a recess, yes. And the recess was probably your favorite time of the day. That and lunch. <laughs> <laughs> all, of those, uh, all of those two activities, the recess and the lunchtime, were nourishing the vestibular system. But everything else is probably going against. And uh, would you say that you like to be active? Are you more of an active kind of person even to this day? Oh, yes, definitely. I've been, I can't sit still as it is just to just sit there. I have to be doing something. And I think that as uh, we age, we have to even exercise more to make sure that our vestibular and with our students who are just developing their brains, they need this vestibular exercise in order to learn well. Now, these are going to be just a few strategies you can do in your home or in your school. Balancing. Balancing is a great exercise. You can balance on an exercise ball. You can have the student do a tree pose or a side plank. You can have rocker boards, balance beams. You can challenge the student to balancing exercise by closing their eyes, facing up to the ceiling, and touching their nose, those kinds of things. And they have fun doing it. You can do things with bean bags. They toss over their heads and their eyes are to follow the bag as it comes down. You can do this uh, pass the ball so two people stand with their backs to each other. And one passes the ball over the head, and the other partner gets it and passes it under their legs and back up to the other partner, and it just goes around in a circle like that. And if you have a group of kids, you can do it from, you know, you kind of do it like a relay. Engaging in rhythmic movement. When you hear music, move to the music just move to it. God has given us music for so many reasons and we tend to, you know, to listen to it, teenagers especially. And here again, this is another thing that's just playing out. In the teen years, it's reflecting the twos and there's another huge amount of 
brain development, physical development. So vestibular exercise is so important right when kids are going to high school and they're supposed to sit. So that's why in our in a recent class I took in secondary curriculum development, we had to embed action in every single lesson plan. And that would be also what we would tell our teachers too as a supervisor. So anything that you can connect to action is a wonderful thing. So don't punish that child now that seems to be wiggling so much. He needs to wiggle. Or maybe you have a headbanger or you have a rocker, someone that just keeps, they go to bed and they just rock that bed. Well, they need that. And find ways to embed it and put it in everything that you do. One of the uh, suggestions that one study said was uh, read while moving on an exercise ball or standing on a balance board. So the next time you teach that reading class, which usually everybody's very still reading and and you like, you know, you like that. I know I'm going to try that uh, because when I read, I'd say they're in a bubble and they're supposed to be quiet and focused on their reading. But I'm going to make them all uh, stand on one foot or something like that and see if I can (laughs) see if I can improve their comprehension. I'll let you know on that subject. Getting down and getting up and touching the earth has a very calming impact. So your children who have, who you might suspect with ADHD or ADD, they just, or maybe they're depressed, they just need to move more, get more exercise and get out in God's nature. Well, in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So if you're struggling with your learner and just wondering what to do, you know, don't hesitate to give us a call. We we love to take calls. We'll have one last thing to say, and that is God bless. You have been listening to Homeschool Companion, a production of MRG Media. Be sure to join us on Facebook. Just type in the name Homeschool Companion. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.